0: Mary carried Jesus within her womb for for nine months. And you are carrying in him, carrying him in your spirit right now. For all eternity, you will be connected with him. And right now, he can be released through you into the world, even as he was released through Mary. But so often I find that you know we don't see ourselves in the fullness of the light. That God has made us, because we think, "Well, who am I? I'm so small. I'm so insignificant." But God loves the faint and the small and the insignificant. I'd shared earlier today is that oftentimes we, we, um, you know, get so caught up in the spectacular because in the world that we live in, you know, especially in the media world and and in the entertainment world, is that everything is so spectacular and we keep getting higher and higher on more stuff. And yet God so often, you know, just brings forth his purposes through that which is so faint, sometimes so faint, you miss it sometimes so small, so insignificantly in man's eyes that you can't even possibly think that it is God. And with Mary, she was, she was just a young girl. Most people think she was about 14 or, or 15 years of age when she gave birth to Jesus. And she was from a poor family. It's believed that she was from a poor family. And so she wasn't, you know, a celebrity or anything like that. But God saw her heart. And he chose her to give birth to Jesus Christ, that the world might know him. And he has chosen you to give birth to the purposes of God that are in you, Christ in you, the hope of glory. When Jesus was born no one really could grasp it because they had read the prophecies for hundreds of years they had the prophecies about the messiah coming where he was going to be born you know his his uh, majesty and his glory and they and they were waiting for this 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 great political leader actually to come in and straighten the nation out that He would come in and settle all the economic issues, the political issues and everything. And so they were looking for this big, powerful figure to come in. And they they had no idea he was just going to come in like a little baby, so small, so insignificant looking. In fact, not just, you know, know, it wasn't even a baby of royalty in that day. Not anyone born to a celebrity. It was, you know... (laughs) Born in a stable and wrapped in swaddling clothes, and just a few shepherds and that came to to celebrate his birth. And even as he grew, he was known as the carpenter's son. And we started moving in, in miracles and started proclaiming who he was. They said well, this could not possibly, couldn't possibly be the Messiah because he's just the carpenter's son. And you know. I mean, can anything good come out of Nazareth? I mean, they just couldn't grasp it because in their minds they were looking for something in a worldly nature, something really big, something really spectacular. And Jesus was so faint when he came. And I think that a lot of times we don't recognize the power and the influence we carry in ourselves And what maybe our friends are carrying in the Lord and others in the body are carrying in the Lord because we're we're looking for a certain thing. Even in church life so often, you'll see prototypes. You'll see someone raised up, a powerful preacher or something, and all of a sudden everyone feels they have to be like that preacher. They have to preach like them. They have to pray for the sick like them. They have to do everything like them. And they lose sight of who they are and who Christ is inside of them. And God just wants us to to embrace his presence and to acknowledge his presence and who he is in each of us and to know that even what looks really, really small, what looks really, really faint within our life can be so magnificent. And I think that for all of you, you could say the same, Mary, did you know? You could ask yourself that question, do I really understand the fullness of what I'm carrying? When I say my yes to God, because that's all Mary did when, when the angel came to her and, and, and declared God's will and purpose, she had to say yes, and she gave God her yes, and when she did, he did the rest. But, you know, I, I know she didn't fully understand all that she had said yes to, and you don't either. You've said yes to things that you don't totally understand where you're going to go with that one but you said yes, and so God is at work within you. I look at others inside the scripture. Think of Moses, who was a great deliverer. Moses, this amazing deliverer of Israel. He was the one who God gave the Ten Commandments to. He led um, Israel through the wilderness, and, and you know we see him in, in, um, uh, you know, with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. And to this day, they're singing in heaven the song of Moses and the song of the Lamb. This is Moses. And yet in his day, his mother, who would have been just an ordinary woman like you and I, she was pregnant with Moses and gave birth to him in a day where Pharaoh had wanted all the Hebrew Hebrew boys killed. And so little Moses was supposed to have been killed. She was a mother that just loved her son. She gave birth to him. The midwives in those days were supposed to take the Hebrew boys and kill them. If it was a boy coming forth from the womb, they were supposed to kill them. But there was these midwives that saved Moses. And it says in Hebrews that that his mother looked upon him and saw that he was a beautiful child. But she's just like, she doesn't know. She didn't know what she just gave birth to. She didn't understand that Moses was going to be this big deliverer of the nation and all the way through into the book of Revelation, that he would be known for all eternity with his song being sung in heaven. She was just an ordinary woman like you and I, who God chose to fill her womb with something so beautiful. And when Miriam was, was, was helping rescue him and set up the whole care system, you know, she was administrating the whole process so that he could go into, into royalty's home. She had not a clue. I think she was just desperately at that moment wanting to meet the need at the moment. But that need at the moment turned into something that had such eternal impact. And some of you are doing things right now that you think, well, I'm just meeting the need of the moment. I'm just doing what needs to be done right now to make something happen. And you don't realize the eternal significance of it. You don't have a clue how big it is what you are caring for God and how significant it is for this day. And God wants you to understand that what is in you is so holy. The presence of God in you is so holy. And he's going to be using you so powerfully. I think of Hannah also with uh, Samuel. So Hannah's barren. And in that day, I mean she's a young woman, she's barren. And that was very shameful in her culture and in that day and she she just had no child. She had given no birth she was just desperate and she was crying out to God for a child and she says God you know if you give me a child I'll I'll have him raised within the temple I'll you know I'll dedicate him to you and to your service she was just desperate because she had this passion to have a child and God was the one who had shut up her womb because Samuel had to come forth in the right timing some of you have feel spiritually barren. You say, I've just labored in the Lord, and I love him, and I pray, and I intercede, but, but you know, the life of the Spirit, I just don't see it flowing through me as it should. But God says, daughter, there's, there's timing for that vision that you've seen. There's timing for it to come forth. Samuel had to come forth in God's timing because he was opening up the order of the prophets and he was going to anoint David as king. Everything had to be in God's timing. And I feel that some of you, you've been waiting for ministry to be released in you. You've seen it prophetically. You know it. You can feel it. You can sense it. But you say, how come it's not there yet? How come I, I haven't given birth to it yet? And I feel God saying, it's just a matter of timing. It's coming, daughter. It's coming. It's coming. You don't have it wrong. It's coming. And so Hannah, she gives birth to Samuel, but I don't think she knew. I don't think she knew the greatness that was in that little boy, the greatness of what she had brought into the world for the glory of God. Think of Elizabeth also. She was the mother of John the Baptist. John the Baptist was a forerunner for, for, for the Messiah. And Elizabeth, she was a senior on the front line. You know, she was older in years. And I don't think she knew anything about what was in her womb because her husband had the visitation from the angel. And he didn't handle the visitation very well, so he was was made silent. He couldn't speak, you know. So he probably didn't tell her, but she eventually found out she was pregnant. (laughs) But little did she know... The, the impact her son would have in the earth, what she was carrying, even the fruit in her older years. And I want to speak to those of you that are seniors is that you're not done. There is fruit in your womb to come forth, even in this hour. And, and you don't understand the greatness of the impact, probably, that is on the inside of you. Each and every one of us when we say yes to God, has great impact. We might not see it all. One day you're going to stand before the Lord and he's going to show you the fullness of your fruit when all you did was say yes. Every testimony I heard here tonight, I just feel like weeping over them all because there's such impact, massive, massive impact. But each one of you has something beautiful inside of you. To be released, each one of you. I remember um, when I was a fairly new Christian, and and it was my first time of being called out to preach, and um, you know it was kind of a, a a surprise in a way. We had we had um, we had had teaching on the gifts of the Spirit by a really good teacher, Mary Goddard, who's my mentor in the things of the Spirit. And so our church had hosted her every single week for six months. We had her in. And so we had gifts of the Spirit teaching every Tuesday night. We could hardly wait for Tuesday nights. And she would come in and teach us on the gifts. And then we would activate them every Tuesday night. So we would all get prayed up and go off to the gifts of the Spirit teaching. Our whole church got taught on the gifts of the Spirit at the same time. And so we had Holy Ghost meetings. They were awesome. We really enjoyed it and just activated. I made sure I was activating all the time because it was just too much fun not to. Amen? And so, um, anyways, we get a phone call one day, and it's from um, some First Nations, it's a First Nations gal on the other line, and she said, "Um, I was wondering if you could help us, I'm from a northern community in Canada, and we have tried to host uh, an evangelism crusade, and we invited the evangelist in, it's the very first evangelism crusade in our region, the very first one. And we've been planning it for months, but the evangelist just called and said he cannot make it because he's sick. And we have been trying to get someone to take his place, and no one will take his place. No one can at such short notice, because it was just, you know, the next day, if we accepted it, we're going to have to leave the next day. And uh And so she said, we tried to call Mary Goddard because she's on television, and many people know her up in this region, but she said um, she couldn't because of her schedule, but she said maybe you could, that you were in her classes, so maybe you could come and be the evangelist and your friend as well. And I thought, well, (laughs) man... (laughs) You know, and I was in a, like, I was on the streets all the time. I mean, I was on the streets just about every day leading people to Jesus. So the evangelism part of it wasn't, you know, a problem. I, I, I just never thought beyond that evangelism. I thought, that's exciting. I said, well, let us, um, let us ask our husbands and our pastor and get their blessing on it, and I'll get back. She says, you've got to call me back in a couple of hours because we've got to get the tickets and get you up there. And so um, our husbands gave the okay, and our pastor said, you don't need three dreams and a vision to go preach the gospel, just go, you know, it's a go ye call, just go fulfill it. So when she called back, we said, yes, we'll go, so they got the ticket ready, and I mean, we had two little children at home, you know, she had two, no, she had three, I had two, and uh, so we had to get the children organized, and babysitters, and our husbands organized, and the meals organized, and then get get packed and get everything ready. And so all night long, we're just work, 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 work. We finally get to the airport, and it's like, woo, we did it. We get on the plane, and I'm sitting there, and we're taking off. And it all of a sudden, dawns on me what we're doing. And I said to my friend, I said, do you know that we're going to be evangelists at a crusade? <laughs> and... um And she looked at me kind of shocked also, and I said, have you ever been an evangelist at a crusade before? And she said, no. And I said, oh, my gosh, you know, can we turn this plane around right now? Like, what did we say yes to, right? (laughs) Oh, Mary, did you know? No, we didn't know, okay? So, So our gifts of the Spirit teacher had taught us that if you pray in tongues, You build yourself up in faith, you charge your spirit your your spiritual battery and it'll prepare you for other things in God. So I said to my friend, I said, We better pray in tongues. We better pray in tongues. If we pray in tongues, maybe, you know, we'll get something, you know? And so there we were, like, trying to be discreet. And the flight attendant came by. Would you like something to drink? No, thank you. (laughs) And we were just praying nonstop. So anyways, we get up to, um, you know, we landed. And these two precious First Nations gals, picked us up and put our uh, baggage in the back. And um, we were sitting in the back seat. They were in the front. And we had a three-hour drive to go to the, the um, reserve where they were going to be hosting the meetings. And they said, we've been instructed to take you to the prayer meeting I thought, glory to God. Prayer meetings. I can handle a prayer meeting. I feel really comfortable inside of prayer meetings. That'll be good and maybe we'll get a feel for, you know, what's gonna happen or something. And so I said to my friend, now we can really pray in tongues. We don't have to whisper anymore. We can let her rip. So we're going along the highway. And all of a sudden, I noticed the two girls up front, they they went stiff, you know, even the driver's like this, you know. I thought, oh my gosh, they probably don't know what tongues is. And the Holy Spirit said, they don't even know who I am yet. They don't know. (laughs) They aren't born again yet. So I thought, Oh. So we preached the gospel to them and they both got born again. So I said to my friend, this isn't bad being an evangelist at a crusade. It's a hundred percent fruit already. Hundred <laughs> percent. And so we got them filled with the spirit. Now we're all praying in tongues, you know. Three hours praying in tongues, man. We're gonna we're gonna go for it. So so we finally get to the meeting, and it's, and it's dark, and we're going through the reserve, and they take us to a little Catholic church building where the prayer meeting was being held. When we walked in, they were finishing up a liturgical prayer meeting, so it was a different kind of prayer meeting than what we were used to. Uh, you know, I was expecting something different, and I thought, okay, well, we'll just sit in the back here, and they finished up their meeting, and then the leader of the meeting said, Oh, we have the evangelists from the coast here with us. And I turned to my friend in a whisper. I said, They think we're evangelists. They don't know we're just housewives, you know? And, um, and so he said, Now, would you both come up and, you know, you can take the meeting? And I thought, Take the meeting? I said to my friend, Have you ever taken a meeting before? And she said, Not like this one. And I thought, Oh, my gosh. So we stood up there. Now, I'm really, you know, tall and large, and my friend is small and petite, and and um, we're standing there like, oh, you know, what do we do? We can't pray in tongues anymore right now. We are, we are done with tongues. So what do we do? And I thought, well, I could give a greeting. That would be a good place to start. So I said, as my friend's not saying a word, and I said... We just want to bring you greetings, you know, greetings from the coast. And, you know, it's wonderful to be here. We greet you. But then that was done, you know. So then I said, and oh, and also our husbands would want us to greet you, you know. And our pastor will want to greet you. And so there was no more left. And my friend, she's just standing there like... And she's not helping or anything. I thought, oh my gosh. I thought, Lord, what do I do? Like, I'm I'm just scared spitless, you know? And um, this thought came to me. The Holy Spirit gave me a thought. And I was remembering on Tuesday nights at the Gifts of the Spirit meeting, our instructor would have us practice the gifts of the Spirit, like practice words of knowledge, just step out in faith and trust the Holy Spirit for a word of knowledge. And then when we got one, pray for them and stuff like that. I said to my friend, well, let's just, um, you know, do words of knowledge and that. She said, oh, okay. So I said, all right, you know, the Spirit of God, I was just copying my teacher, actually. Um, <laughs> the Spirit of God is in this place right now. And uh, someone with a headache is being healed. And I told my friend, let's just do lots, lots of words of knowledge, lots of them. Because if we do enough of them, someone's bound to respond, right? We we weren't totally confident yet, okay? So, <laughs> So there's someone with a headache. I didn't realize how common headaches were at that point, but they're pretty common. And then, um, oh, and there's someone with a back and someone with a knee and someone with, you know, problems all over. So we gave about, you know, 30 of them. And then we said, if anyone is in here that relates to any of those words, come forward to the front. Well, almost the whole place came forward. I was so relieved. And so we lined them all up across the front and... I said to my friend, you start on that end. I'll start on this end. I'll meet you in the middle. And we'll just pray and believe God will do something. The first person I prayed for went down under the power. And hers went down under the power too. God is so merciful, man. It's just like (laughs) we went down that aisle. And every single person went down. Every single one went down under the power. They had no grid for it at all. They'd never seen that before at all. And we had not either under our own hands. That was (laughs) new to us as well. I thought, whew. Okay, so they took us to the place where we were staying. That was an interesting place. And, um, and we uh, went to sleep and woke up to a knock on the door. It was still dark out. It was early in the morning. And uh, they said, many people in the village couldn't be at the prayer meeting last night, but they heard about the miracles because, to our amazement, people were healed. <laughs> And, and all the testimonies went around the village and they said, they're waiting for you to pray for them. So all day long, we got dressed and got ready. All day long, they took us from house to house, praying for the sick. We were leading people to Jesus, getting them filled with the Spirit, um, comforting people that had lost loved ones, and there was had been suicides, all kinds of stuff. And so we were ministering to people all day long. I loved it. I loved it. I thought, I can handle this. I was thinking that was what they meant, being an evangelist at the crusade. And we're just having a blast, house to house, just like in the book of Acts, house to house, just ministering to people. And then around 4 o'clock in the afternoon, they said, oh, we have to drive you to the crusade. And I thought, this isn't the crusade, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So we got in the car, and they took us down this, you know, long logging road and everything. We ended up at this big log house and had the crusade now don't get the wrong idea it's not like thousands of people or anything there was like about 120 150 people okay but they came in from different areas you know there was their very first time they had anything like this and it was so fun they were just these precious beautiful people and we were having a good time getting to know them and saying hi and and stuff and and um they had this uh well it's sort of a worship band not really You know, no, it wasn't really a worship band. It was kind of like country and western sort of, but had some good, you know, heart in the words, but just not like worship as we know it. But we were enjoying it. And I thought, this is so cool. We're in a log cabin. There's snow outside. I can't believe that we're up here. We're the only white people in the room, the only ones. And, and, and I felt like I was in a different nation. It was just awesome. It was just, I, I just loved it, and this, this crazy music. And it was, it was just awesome. And I, I don't know why we just kind of forgot that we were the evangelists of the crusade. <laughs> Until the leader got up and said, you know, we are so, we, you know, God has worked a miracle for us um, because the evangelists couldn't come. So we got these two evangelists from the coast and, and uh, they're going to speak. And I said, she means you, you're, you're going to speak. That's why I said to my friend. Um, you're going to speak and I'm going to be your intercessor. And the reason why, <laughs> the reason why that was the wisest decision to make is because she had preached before. She had preached a couple sermons before. And I'd never preached a sermon before. So, but I'd prayed lots. And so I was in my right zone, and she was in her right zone. And she's very short. And so there's this great big, like big pulpit, right? And her little head was just like. That. <laughs> and she didn't She didn't have a word prepared or anything. I mean, we were just like so spaced out. And um, she didn't have a word prepared. And she was praying, oh, Lord, what do I do? And he reminded her of when we were learning how to prophesy, we were taught. It's kind of like a Kleenex box, you know, where you got the fluff comes up. It's like believing God for the first word or phrase, right? And then you speak it. And when you pull that out, When you pull that out and speak it, guess what? The next one's there, and the next one's there, and the next one's there. So we learned to prophesy that way. And she was really good at the prophetic. And so the Lord said, preach that way. I'll give you it line by line. And the Lord gave her the sermon line by line. And I remember the sermon. It was really good. It was a salvation message. And um, at the end of it, almost the whole place got saved. I mean, if there was anyone there that wasn't born again, they got born again. The whole place became born again. And then she had an altar call for those that wanted to receive the Holy Spirit. And it was like the day of Pentecost. It was crazy. I mean, it was just awesome. I thought... I mean, Mary, did you know? No, <laughs> it was like, wow, we got like a hundred percent saved, and people filled with the Holy Spirit. This is like, whoa, you know. And we didn't have cell phones back there, and we did not have Facebook, so we couldn't tell anyone yet. Okay. <laughs> so the next day, we go to the meeting, and the and the head lady, she she she. And her sister had been the only born-again Christians in her village, the only ones. And that's why they had their faith out. They'd been praying, you see. It wasn't about us. It was about what they were carrying in their spirit. They were birthing these souls in their villages. And so um, the next day they they, they said, oh, that was so good last night. Now that we got everyone saved and everyone filled with the spirit, what we want to do now is have you cast out all their devils. Because... There, it's loaded with witchcraft. This is a very big area for witchcraft. It's very, very thick. Many of these people are addicted to drugs and to alcohol. And they've, you know, many of them have tried suicide, all of that. And so we want you to cast the devils out of them today. So we said, okay, yes, we're we are here to serve you anything that you want, you know. And, um, and then afterwards, it was like... Well, what are we going to do? I said to my friend, have you ever cast a devil out before? And she said, no. She said, have you? I said, no, but I've had them cast out of me. You know? So I had experience. I, when I was a born-again Christian, I, I, I needed a good clean-out. So I had, I had lots of them. I felt them go. I knew that they were real. You know, So I said, okay, I've got a plan. This is what we're going to do. We're going to read a few scriptures because Jesus cast devils out of people. we're going to read the stories out of scripture, and we're going to read the scripture to them, and then we're going to tell our teacher's testimony, because we didn't have any of our own. And she had told us testimonies about how she cast devils out of people and how they got free. So I said, I can remember those testimonies. We're going to tell every single one of them, and hopefully that'll take up enough time to fill the message time. And then we're just going to invite anyone that thinks they have a demon to come forward and that we'll cast it out. That's what we're going to do. So... We got up there, we read the scriptures, (laughs) we read the scriptures and told the testimonies and then said, okay, is there anyone here that you think you've got a demon? Come on up. Well, almost the whole place came up, okay. And it turned into a zoo. I am not kidding you. There was one person that was slithering down the aisle like a snake. Shh. I thought, I'm freaked out, you know, but you you can't let them know, you know. Or... Or they would feel insecure. Okay, there's this guy over here. He falls down on all, all fours, lifts up his head, and starts to howl like a wolf. Another one was snorting like a pig. People were shaking, screaming, rolling on the floors. Thought, oh my gosh! What do you do? You know, all we always said, "It's in the name of Jesus, come out." So then we started going to one one at a time. You know, the wolf in the name of Jesus. Wolf spirit, come out now. Snake, come out now. Pig, come out, you know. We're just going the best we knew how. And God honored it. And all these people got delivered. So yeah, glory to God. Glory to God, it really had nothing to do with us. All we did was say yes at that phone call, right? And so, um, (laughs) so anyways, through that weekend, we became famous. We became famous amongst the Native Reserves in northern Canada. And, um, so our reputation went out that we were these powerful deliverance ministers. And so they kept inviting us up to village after village after village. I mean, we, all of a sudden, we're on the road, you know. And, um. I mean, I'm not going to take the time to tell you all the stories, but they were, they were amazing. <laughs> and we got to go into real remote areas. I remember this, this one village because they had all heard about all the success. I mean, people were literally drying up out of alcoholism that had been ma- ma- major issues. Whole whole regions were drying up. It was amazing what God was doing. So those reports went to another village. And they said, well, we've had such a problem and the government's given us money for for alcohol programs, but none of them are working. So they wrote a petition to the government and asked the government for money to send us into the reserve. And we had to go up through rapids and, you know, we had to go up through trails and rapids and all kinds of things to get there. And it was so much fun. It was like an adventure. And um, so we went up in, in there in the summer, took our family and everything, and we did three days of meetings. And everyone in the village came out, and there was salvation. Almost the whole village got saved, um, and 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 healed and delivered. I mean, it was just. Awesome. And it was just like we we came to expect it because the more you move move in it, the more you expect it. And so all these precious people were getting born again. They would be weeping and they were so happy. And this one village that 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 one that I just told you about that the government paid for, there had been so many suicides and murders because they'd get drunk and then they'd shoot each other. And so it was a tragedy. I mean, there was people hurting big time. They had lost family members. The kids had been shot. I mean, it was, it was like the devil just worked overtime in that village. So God went in and blasted it open in the glory. So it was a couple years later, or a few years later, a number of years later, actually, um, we were watching 100 Huntley Street, which was a Christian program up in Canada. And there was these two First Nations men on the program being interviewed by David Maynes. And they were sharing their testimony. And they were they were evangelists that were going all across Canada from reserve to reserve to reserve, um, winning people to Jesus Christ. And people were getting delivered from all kinds of stuff. And they were sharing the testimony. It was just so exciting to hear. It was just like, wow, this is so awesome what God is doing. And then David Maines said, and how did you come to know the Lord? And they said, well, these two crazy white ladies came up into our village this summer and blah, blah, blah. And I thought, oh my gosh, that was our meeting. That was us. And we had led these guys to the Lord and they went down under the power because they were on their way up to, um, they were on their way up to the front to be, because they thought we were pushing people down. And so they were on their way up to the front to prove to this friend that dragged them into the meeting that it was all a hoax, right? And Halfway up the aisle, they went down under the power and started shaking. So we came and drove the demons out of them, and then they got saved, okay? So I remembered, but I didn't remember them, okay, because there was so much going on until they shared the testimony. And I thought, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. Like, Mary, did you know? (laughs) Like, did you ever dream that when you said yes and when you felt so inadequate and felt like you had nothing to give and that you were just like a housewife that was just leaving changing diapers for a weekend, that that God could use you to produce fruit for his glory and that it would have ripple effect for years to come. I didn't have a clue. And I think it's really good that we don't. I think it's actually really healthy. I mean, we always want to have faith in what God can do. But always know it's just like he uses humble vessels. He uses just earthen vessels, you know. The surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not of us. It's not about. It's not about us. But when we say yes, we give birth to the flow of the Spirit, the flow of Christ who can fill the earth. And there are things that many of you have put your hand to that you don't know the effect of it yet. You don't know where it's gone yet. I have no idea in Hollywood. I just so admire you and what what you and your husband are doing and God bless you for all you've been through and that, you know, you never quit, that's why you're winning, <laughs> you know, but God bless you, but you haven't even seen the half of it yet, like, God let you see some of the fruit, but you haven't seen half of it yet, it's spreading, it's having ripple effect all over the world, and you can't even see it yet, but one day you will, one day you will, and all, all the children that you're being an advocate for, in your book that's gone out, you, you have no idea, The fruit of that, I mean, I could go to each one of them that shared tonight, and if I knew all your stories, I could encourage you to know that Christ in you is the hope of glory. And when you said yes to Jesus, he in you started having effect in the earth. And when you have expectation for that, things happen. I remember when God called me into media I'd never had an ambition for media. I never, I never wanted to have anything to do with it. I'd been invited on a few people's programs, and and I'd freeze in front of the camera. It was like ah, oh, you know, because it's like I like people. I like connecting heart to heart, sort of thing. And the camera is like ah, oh, you know, it's just like this lens staring at you, right? And I never liked it, and I wasn't natural. I felt fake and phony, and because I couldn't relax in front of the camera. So. It was never anything that I ever wanted. And I'm really happy. Like, you have to be prepared to serve God anywhere. Like, you can serve him in hiddenness or invisibility, depending on if he needs you in either place. It doesn't matter. Every place is effective for him. I'm as happy being in hiddenness as I am being visible. But if he needs me to be visible, I'm happy to serve him in that way. But it means nothing to me if I am or not. So media wasn't on my radar. I'm watching TV one night, trying to watch TV. I'm trying to find something to watch on TV. And I'm clicking through. And um, all I'm seeing that particular night, everywhere I clicked, there was like New Age Prophetic on every channel I clicked on. There was like spirit mediums, and they were calling up, you know, dead loved ones. There was tarot card readers. There was all these crazy things everywhere. I turned psychics, you know, and the advertisements for psychic hotlines. I thought, whoa, what's going on here? And I was trying to find something to watch, and I kept hitting this. I thought, where is the true prophetic in the midst of the false? Where is the true prophetic? And I just couldn't see it. And so I started groaning in intercession. I fell down on the floor, turned off the TV. I said, oh God, oh God, I call forth the media prophets for your glory from the north, the south, the east, the west. And I'm crying out to God with everything I have for him to raise up media prophets. And he said, what about you? And I said, no. (laughs) I did not say, be it done unto me according to your will. I said, no, not me. Why would you even? I mean, that couldn't even be you. I knew it wasn't me, though, because I wouldn't have thought that. And I said, you know that I freeze in front of a camera. You know that I've never had a desire for this, no ambition. No one's even prophesied it over me ever. <laughs> I don't have a budget for T V and I don't have a team and I wouldn't have any training. I don't know what I would be doing. So whew, off the hook. Oh God! I call forth the media prophets from the north, the south, the east, the west. He says, What about you? I thought, Are you serious? He says, Yeah. And then he said, I want you to produce two television programs in Hollywood. Go to the jugular, produce them in Hollywood. And then I want you to air them in Vegas. I want you to go to entertainment capitals and to put the true prophetic in the midst of those places as a stake in the ground. Do it as a prophetic act. And I thought, oh, well, I wouldn't even know where to begin. How would you do that? I don't have I don't have a clue about television production. I I don't know what that is, you know, is. I don't even know what's needed. So we prayed. I prayed with some friends and and said, God, would you give me someone to help? Because if I have someone to help, I can do it. I need someone to help. And within about a week and a half of that prayer, I was up at Bill Johnson's, um, serving in a prophetic conference with them. And during the break, a woman came up to me in the break, and she says, you know, I hardly ever go to a Christian conference, and when I do, I would never think of bothering a speaker during their break. But the Lord told me to come and tell you who I am, what I do, and that I'm supposed to help you with something. She says, my name is Shirley Ross, and um, I've been a, a, a producer in Hollywood for 22 years, and I'm supposed to help you with something. And I thought, oh my gosh. <laughs> so I said, well, come on out for dinner with me. I've got some things to share with you. And so I shared with her the whole thing. I'm supposed to do these programs in Hollywood and then air them in Vegas. She says, I'll serve you in that. And she volunteered her services. She's still with me to this day. She she left her career in Hollywood and uh, came to live with... <laughs> With Ron and I in a we were living in an adult trailer park at the time. You know those little resort trailer parks? We were living in those because we just moved to 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 Arizona. And she lived in a luxury condo in Irvine, California. And she left the condo to come and live in the trailer park. <laughs> she struggled, but um but she did it. So anyways, um, she pulls the whole thing together for us. And, um, and uh, it, was, it, was, it was crazy, to be honest with you. It's embarrassing even in a way. But Mary, did you know? You know. So I'm too afraid at that time to, to do it on my own. I can't host a program. I've never hosted one before. Or I didn't know what to do. So I, I got this brainstorm. I thought, I'm going to cover my butt here. And I'm going, is that okay to say in Texas? Is that all right? Okay. I just realized, oh, you know, language. Um, yeah. I'm going to cover myself. Okay. So I asked Larry Randolph if he would co host with me. And the reason I asked him if he would co host is because um, he's so funny. He's like a comedian, God's comedian. If you don't know him, he's a prophet. And he gets under this anointing and is so funny, you can't stop laughing. And um, I thought I could use a good laugh on that platform myself, let alone the people that are watching the program. But the other thing is that he prophesies so specifically that he knows people's names, their addresses, their phone numbers, their serial numbers, whatever. And I thought, wouldn't that be cool if you were an unsafe person and you're clicking through and all of a sudden you hear your name called? Or you hear something really funny and everyone's laughing and you would say, what's that? You know, so I thought he would be perfect and he would help me feel more relaxed because he's so funny. And I'd ministered in prophetic conferences with him before and gone out for lunches with him and the team and, um, you know, and I knew how funny he could be and how relaxed I get and how much I laugh when I'm around him. So I thought this would be perfect. That's going to help me tremendously. And then I thought another guest I want to have on the program is Stacy Campbell because, if you haven't seen Stacy Campbell prophesy before, she's just a little gal with blonde hair down to about here. And when the Spirit comes upon her to prophesy, she starts to shake all over, like, whoa! You know, her whole body goes like that. And her hair is all over the place. And her face is like Father, Son, Holy Spirit face, three of them. You know, <laughs> just goes. So I'm thinking, this is going to be so cool. If an unsafe person flicks onto that station, it's woo you know, they're going to want to stop and listen, right? So I thought, I'll invite her. And I, I invited another couple of people who were very candid and, you know, and entertaining. I thought, whew, there's enough to cover us, and this is going to, you know, we're just going to finish this assignment and get it over with, right? That was my heart. So we rented a studio in Hollywood and did the whole Hollywood thing. And Shirley had got a makeup artist um, for us, which you know I didn't even know you needed one. And um, but she sprayed she sprayed us with makeup to make us look like porcelain dolls. In fact, it was so thick that you couldn't even smile without it cracking. And then Stacy's hair, this was this this was the cruncher. Stacy's hair, they put a little flip on the bottom of it, and then sprayed it so it wouldn't move. They didn't understand what we were looking for, right? So we get on the set and open the program, and I'm as nervous as can be. And it's like, countdown, here we go. And I said, okay, hello, welcome to Extreme Prophetic with me and my host, Larry Randolph. And I point to Larry, hoping he's going to take the show, and he's like frozen. And that's when I found out he was more afraid of TV than me. He just didn't tell me. And he's sitting there like. <laughs> and I thought, oh, my gosh, you know. Anyways, we pulled it off. Stacy's one of the guests, and she starts prophesying. The Spirit of the Lord did come upon her. and She starts prophesying, but her hair is stuck. <laughs> and her hair looked ridiculous. <laughs> it really did. It really looked ridiculous. And so... Oh my gosh, we finally got through it. Okay, we aired it at Vegas in the middle of the night, so we were hoping no one was going to watch it. We were just going to, it's a prophetic act in the spirit, at least we'll get it. And so we we bought airtime on Warner Brothers Network um, in the middle of the night in Vegas. So it was two weeks later we go there after it aired. We went into Vegas because we were doing a school of extreme prophetic, taking the prophetic to the streets and winning souls to Christ. And Larry and I are going through the casino to get to the hotel room with another couple of team members. And this, oh, sorry, let me back up. We got only one response to our television program. One. One email. And in this email, every second word was a cuss word. Every second word. But he said, Dear Beep Beep Extreme Prophetic, <laughs> I was watching your Beep Beep program, and, and I was in a state where I wanted to take my Beep Beep life, and you know, and he shared how he wanted to commit suicide, but because of the program, it stopped him. And he thought there might be some hope for him, some Beep Beep hope, of course, and to keep up the Beep Beep good work, Okay. So we only got that one letter. It was the only one, and we've still got it. <laughs> and, um, and so we're walking through the casino a couple of, of, of weeks later on our way to our hotel room, because you've got to get through the casino to get to the hotel room. And this man comes running up to Larry. He says, I know who you beep-beep are. I know who you are. And he goes and hugs <laughs> Larry. And uh, you saved my baby life, you know? And it was the man who wrote the letters. We got to meet him in person. So anyways, that was um, redemptive grace. Um, You know, the program helps someone. And that's worth it, isn't it? Even for one person. But then Shirley comes to me after. She says, you know, the Lord's telling me that you're supposed to do a weekly television program. Get thee behind me, Satan! (laughs) we're done. The assignment is over. No, she says, really, I believe the Holy Spirit's telling me this. I believe that we need to do it. So we prayed and sure enough, the Lord said to do it. So that's what started us. I mean, we started, we, we were doing like our shoot against a wall in a condo. We had no money for a lighting kit. We used my husband's trouble lights from the garage. We didn't have reflectors. We used tin foil from the kitchen on masking tape, hanging it from the ceiling. We didn't have anything except a yes within our spirit. We had one camera. That's what we had the money for. One camera. After we paid all the bills for the the Hollywood <laughs> shoot, one camera, and um, so. But we wanted to do a two or three shoot take on it, so Shirley would have me stop in the middle of a paragraph, hold that thought, and she would move the camera around to the other side <laughs> and pick up the rest of it, you know, and then edit it together after. That's 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 how we produced our first program. Everywhere we submitted our program to, to all the Christian networks, they all rejected us um, because it was just such bad quality, that's how bad it was. Um, It didn't hurt my feelings at all. I was kind of, you know, glad that it wasn't accepted. But Shirley asked them, just give me a list of reasons why, and we're going to work on this. Don't ever give up when your first steps need some work. And always embrace input. Always embrace it. Embrace critique. Don't be afraid of critique. It doesn't mean your value is any less if you need critique. In fact, it'll, it'll, it'll increase your value as you work with that, you know, that, that could be made better. So she worked on the program, and, and then we got um, in, invited by Miracle Channel in Canada. They said, we don't even need to look at the program. We're going to give you prime time on Monday nights for free because we trust you and we trust your heart. And that's how it started, that portal open. And then over time, and I won't go into all the journey, but we ended up doing um, things on the web, helping our our friends, uh, starting distribution portals, uh, hosting... um, Uh, international film festivals, all of that. We just followed the Lord and said yes to everything he asked us to do, even though we'd never done it before. Had an acting school, film school, you know, just everything he said to do. It was all part of a prophetic call for the media army to arise. And it was so little. It was so obscure. It was so faint. It was so not perfect. It was so just everything that came from a yes we never thought, oh, we're going to be the late, late great, you know. We're going to do everything awesome, and we're going to be the next name in show business. We never, ever, ever had that thought. All we had was this little yes and saying, God, we'll do whatever it takes to call the media army forth. What, does, what do you need us to do? And so we just followed his little nudges to make these little models so that people would get the vision of what a media army would look look like He told us to host a film festival we'd never had. I mean, I didn't even know the names of movies. I'm not a movie buff, never have been, even before I became a Christian. And I don't know the names of movie stars or anything. And so one of our outreaches that we went to was the um, Robert Redford's um, Film Festival in Utah, right? Where is it? What's, What's the name of the place? Sundance, Sun, Sundance Film Festival. So we went there to do some um, uh, dream interpretation with Cindy McGill, and we took a camera in there. And we land up, and, and Shirley says, so this is Robert Redford's film festival. I said, who's Robert Redford? She said, what? You don't know who Robert Redford is? I says, no, I says, should I? Well, hello. <laughs> you know that's how lame I was. I I I didn't know anything, and yet God's saying, host an international Christian film festival and call forth Christians to produce film, no matter how, no matter how um, um, it is in its infancy stage. Just encourage them to do, it. and every piece that comes in, you are to celebrate. We had over 400 submissions on the first year, and He said, celebrate. In intercession, every single one, and do not criticize one of them. Do not criticize it because the Christians are criticizing their own babies, and so they're not getting birth. He says well, you have to celebrate them. This is an act of the spirit. So he had, had us do things like that. We did two two international film festivals, and. Um, And just as a prophetic act to call the media army together. So it's all like kind of these little projects. You put your whole heart into it, and you just want to finish the project, do your best for him. You know, it's not for a name. It's not for anything. You just want God to have have his desire met, which is to raise up a media army. Little did we know that the media we were producing was making impact. We didn't know. We were just being like, oh, man, I hope we're doing it right. Did I... Did I say it right? Did we, you know, I mean, we didn't, you know, Shirley had been a producer. She'd never edited or been behind a camera. I said, well, just read the manual. You can probably figure it out. God needs it, so let's just do it. And that's what we did, just always in the, in the background. But the media, it, it, it just, I, I, I had no idea. Do you know that we reach 30 million people a month now through media worldwide, over 160 nations, we we reach on a regular basis through media. We had no idea when we started. All we did was say yes to Jesus. I was just at Bill Johnson's um, uh, School of Creativity. They invited me to speak there, and they wanted me to speak on media. That was the area that they gave me to speak on. And I thought, wow, you know, I can speak on it a little bit. I feel a little bit intimidated because... Bethel has such great quality media. And I thought, but I'll, I'll uh, serve in, in this area. And they introduced me. When they introduced me, they said, We want to introduce Patricia King, the mother of media. And I thought, What? <laughs> they said, She has actually launched, you know, to a whole new level, all this media and stuff like that. And I thought, I don't think so. I didn't realize that people thought we were having impact we 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 just said yes to God and doing our little our little tiny obscure, faint little infantile <laughs> efforts, but it had ripple effect worldwide. I remember going into nations, I think I shared this while I was here about my very, very first time into Sri Lanka, never been there before, never been in the land before, and it's at midnight, I arrived, and I'm picking up my baggage and a and a, and a man runs up to me, You're my mother! You're my mother! And I thought, Your mother? I'm not your mother. <laughs> and he said, You're Patricia King! You're my mother! I've been watching you for years on media. You're my spiritual mother. You've mentored me in all the things of the supernatural, you've mentored me in the gospel. I went to Dubai, and a young man said, you know, I, I just came to the Lord through your media. A friend of mine that I worked with showed me your media in his apartment, and that's how I got born again. And then I got discipled through your media clips. I thought, what? I had no idea. He's a leader now. He's a Christian leader in that nation. Mary, did you know? Now, I'm telling you, we had no idea. I could go on and on with every single thing. I could tell you about anti-trafficking. We didn't have any education in it. We didn't have anything. I never even heard about sex tourism before or any of that stuff. I had no grit for it, didn't know anything. But when God told me to go to Bangkok and I went there and I saw things, I thought I was, I I was going to die emotionally with what I saw. And I felt incapable of doing anything. The first night, all I could do was cry all night. My heart, my stomach, everything was aching. I thought, I just want to go home. I can't cope with this. He says, no, you can make a difference. And he gave me one little project to do, one little, one little project. He says, you can do something. And that little something is going to make a difference. And so we did that little something, and then we got another idea. So we did did another little something. Little somethings led to little somethings that led to little somethings. And then we started sharing with the body of Christ about the little somethings to bring awareness to the people, and whole groups of people would cry because they never heard of it before. I mean, it's saturated now. We know more about it now. Still we need to know more. But back then, nobody had heard about it. And they were responding. And now I hear people are out there full-time and everything. People that have told me, I'm full-time working in this because you shared the testimony, because you became a voice. Sharon Stone was at a woman, um, woman on the front lines event. We we're sharing some testimony about this, and she's up front and she starts weeping and gets a gets gets an encounter from God, and he says, "You've got government." Um, influence. You can do something about this. And he gave her a blueprint. She goes back to the UK and connects with friends of hers in government. And within an 18-month period, she makes anti-trafficking policies in the government that got passed that had never been there before. And other nations are following them now. (laughs) Mary, did you know all we did was weep over what we saw And do one little step forward, and another little step forward, and all of it, according to the bigness of the issue, looked really, really small. It looked really insignificant. It looked really, really faint. And that's how you feel oftentimes That what you're doing. You're barely hitting a mark. You're barely, barely doing anything. What you're carrying oftentimes will feel faint. But I'm telling you, what's in you and who's in you is bigger than you could ever realize. And the day is going to come when we're going to stand before him. And he's going to have delight in his face because of what we carried and what we released into the earth. And he's going to show, show us, he'll say, behold your fruit. And you will see people who have come to him. You'll see the nations who were impacted. And you think, how could that have ever happened? And say, did you know? No. No. I didn't have any idea. But I loved you. I loved you, Jesus. And when I said yes to you, you did all this. And so I just want to encourage you to value who you are. And I want you to value who's inside of you. No one can carry Jesus like you carry him. No one can express him like you express him. No one looks like you do in Christ. And he wants you to love yourself as a carrier of his glory. When Mary realized what had happened to her, she said, Blessed am I. I'm blessed. I'm blessed of the Lord. She realized that she was carrying something for God, even though she didn't understand the full significance, and neither do you. But when you say yes to him, you give life to his dreams. You give life to his plans. And you know what? All you have to do is be you. Mary never, in all the years that she lived in the earth, I'm not talking about what people have done to her afterwards, In all the years that she lived in the earth, she never was was more than who she was. She was Mary. And you are who you are. And you're full of value, and you don't need to compare yourself to anyone else. You are precious, and you are carrying the holy seed of God in you. And I feel that this room is pregnant with destiny. I feel that this room is carrying so much potential in God. Every life you touch, you have no idea where those those ripples go. You have no idea. But it's all for the glory of God. I don't need to know. All I need to know is that every day I walk with him, every day I say yes to him. That's all I need to know. That's all you need to know. But one day, you'll know the fullness of the fruit of that which you've carried in him. So tonight I want to invite you that if you want to commit yourself to him in a new way to carry him and to release him to the world that you live in,